Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Car Garage, the podcast for car people and for those who like to place things uh, generally inside garages. So each week we beg the question, hey, what would you fill a five car garage with? As always, I'm your host, John B. You can find me on Instagram at John of All Trades with a Z, at Texas Photobomb, and at Middleman Skateboards. So why five-car garage, you ask? Well, after extensive research, we discovered that five is the perfect number to represent all you'd ever need in an automobile collection. Any more than that, and let's just be honest, it's really pretentious. Your five-car garage is not simply your current top five vehicles. It's more like the vehicle collection that you'd own and drive for the rest of your life. So, every week we interview our guests, and ask them not only to consider the vehicles themselves individually, but also the chemistry, if you will, of those choices and how they might complement each other. Today's guest is a good friend. He is an entrepreneur. He is an employee in the automotive industry. He is an Aggie. He is a small business owner. He's a Waco celebrity, guys. Hudson, hi. Hi, Hudson. Hi. Glad you're here, buddy. Thanks, now, man. Hudson, you hold the title as my first Waco buddy, as I called you in mid-2016. Before even moving to Waco, we talked about our cars and our respective small business ventures, as I'm sure you remember our phone conversation. Yep, absolutely. And I can remember, remember telling Mandy that night when I got home, I really want to be his friend. So, so real quick, tell me what, remind me what you said to your wife when you got home that night. I'll be honest with you. I told her that I got a call from a guy down in Houston that wanted to talk to me about his truck mm, mm-hmm. and a camper. Yes, yes. Which so, I was jazzed about, but uh, definitely caught off. Okay, car. okay. So yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I can be. I can. I can be disarming at times. Okay, <laughs> Hudson. Before we step into your five car garage, tell our listeners about some of the old things that you have sitting in the high driveway right now. Yeah. So I think I'm. Pretty close to hitting that pretentious level. Um, mm. We've got four old cars currently. Oh man! In uh, in our driveway. So starting with the oldest to the newest, we've got a '59 Edsel Ranger four-door sedan, a '66 Mercedes 230 with the four-speed on the column. Right on. Brought home courtesy of John. That's right. That's well. right. That was one of our adventures. That's right. Um, a '66 Ford F350 farm truck. That was my grandfather's. Okay. And then um, <clears throat> currently on loan, a 68 Pontiac Le Mans, which is actually my dad's, but I am right. working on it for him. Now, so. this car is really cool. This is a muscle car. Absolutely. And it's loud? It's loud. It's mean. And it's um, you drove this car as a senior in high school? Sure did. Faster okay. than I care to admit. Man, you were so cool in high school. I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, come on. I've and told you about it, though. So yeah, 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 for you sure. You know about it. Yeah. It's weird that you make me put on your letter jacket whenever you're telling me the story. Look, you're not supposed to bring that up. Okay, all right, that's cool. Um, Moving on. So, hey, uh, I mentioned, or maybe I didn't, about you being a small business owner, Hudson. Um, Tell us a little bit about about Parked in Waco. Yeah, so my wife and I run Parked in Waco. Um, We are primarily a wedding chauffeur business, uh, specializing in classic car chauffeured rides. So we uh, rent out the Edsel and the Mercedes for wedding getaway rides, Yeah, <clears throat> typically from a venue to the final destination uh, for the bride and groom. And then the truck, we actually rent out for photos. Awesome. So a lot of families like using those for like blue bonnet pictures, family, yeah. family photos, that kind of thing. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so I've never told you this before, but uh, I had hoped 
that I just kind of like the idea of um, getting married and driving off in a Cadillac, but then also getting buried and driving off in a Cadillac, right? Yeah. How cool is that? That, that would be bookending Right, things. bookending it. Yeah. Guess what? I, I got married, by the way, June 5th, 1999. <laughs> Shout out to Mandy Bernard. <laughs> um, do you want to know what our, what our drive-off vehicle was? Some kind of a Cadillac. You tell me what yours was, because it's probably cool. Oh, mine was supposed to be <clears throat> a 53 Buick, but yep. the hydromatic transmission went out the week before. Oh, so man. we left in just the most classic uh, 2008 Lincoln Town Car Limousine. Hey, man, that ain't bad. That it ain't bad. Was Mine good. was better. 1991 Toyota Camry belonging to my grandmother. Yeah, you've got me whooped. It was lame. Yeah. It was it was bad. But you know what? Um, I think that one at the uh, Concours Day belongs <laughs> last year, by the way. Man, I'll tell you what. They are, they are hot right now. <laughs> they are hot. Haggerty really has a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, but hey, the wedding—you know—the wedding was a success. Yep. Twenty years, That's dude. All that matters. Twenty years this coming June. How about that? It's a huge success. Shout out to Mandy. Um, all right. So where were we here? Uh, let me say we are at the point of Hudson. Um, you actually have two very important connections to uh, to legendary actor Paul Newman. Uh, one of which is that just like Newman, you have played opposite Robert Redford in a major motion picture. Tell us real quickly about that. That What was that movie again? In fact, the movie was Old, The Old Man and the Gun, mm-hmm. uh, part of which was filmed here in Waco, Texas, uh, specifically right. at the American Bank over in Belmede, you know, yeah. the big circle bank off yep. I-35. Yep. Cool-looking building. Yep. Uh, it looks like the early 70s when you walk in, so yep. it was perfect setting. Um, we actually had my... Uh, one of my relatives, 68 Oldsmobile, uh, 98 sedan in the movie as yeah. well. So, like the first few minutes, they pan American Bank and that old blue car sitting out front yeah. is ours. Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah, so that was great getting to meet Mr. Redford and mm-hmm. um, also being that movie. Were you were you in the uh, were you in the final cut or as I say, were you left on the editing floor? I was. You have to look really hard, and uh, yeah, it's only like a few seconds if okay. you pause it in the bank. But okay, well, I'll, we can I'll show you. We yeah. can see you. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. That's but, huge. Yeah. And it was a good payday. Yeah, pretty, I, mean, I mean, the the money wasn't the reason I was no, there. No, we the don't do it. For we sure. don't do it for the money, but it, do we? But it did help. Okay, awesome, awesome. It's like a tip, if you will. Right on. Okay. Well, listen, I'll remind you, Hudson, that your five car garage selections allow us to get a better sense of what kind of human being you are, as you share your picks and the stories behind them. But we also get to touch on some matters of pop culture world history, and tidbits of automotive trivia when considering some of these vehicles. Our listeners can have a look, by the way, at your five-car garage in the form of a slideshow of your choices on our Instagram page and chime in on the comment section. So, without further ado, Hudson High, let's have your first pick. Okay, so starting at number five, it would be a 1965 Amphicar Model 770 in regatta red mm. with the original triumph state uh straight four engine and the optional anchor and paddles <laughs> all right man uh the amphicar the mo- the models did i get that right the amphicar amphicar amphibious i don't even cars, i don't even i i get say so, okay here's the deal i understand that it's it's an amphibious car but amphicar just does not sound great 
Uh, well, uh, anyway, let, let's go back. Let's. I'm going to stop dissing on this car. Instead, just ask you, Hudson, why would you... Dude, this is one of five cars that, that you're going to have to drive the rest of your life. Why would, <laughs> why would an amphicar, a red amphicar make the list? Listen, every other car you can drive on the road, but how many cars can you drive in the water? Ah. Uh, right? I can't deny that. Yeah. I can't deny Think that. Think about Lake, Lake Waco, the boat ramps. For sure. Just pull right up, go right into the water, boom. Yeah, yeah. No changeover, you're... You just drive straight into it, and you're cruising. Right on. Now, I'm looking at a picture of this car. It's a pretty cute car. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to win any design contest, yeah. but, yeah, it's not bad looking. Yeah, for sure. And the bottom kind of has to be a hull, right? That's right. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's something. Yep. Okay. Um, is this a convertible? It is. Okay, yep. okay. Um, anything else that you want to share about this uh, this unique vehicle? So, yeah, so the, the model name, 770, is kind of odd. Yeah. Um, the saying goes is that the reason it was named the 770 is because it could go seven knots in the water and 70 miles an hour on the road. And okay. from looking at the research, it looks like 70 was its max. Okay. So okay. Uh, you probably wouldn't be you know, passing people on the highway. Got you. The little Triumph motor you said, right? Yeah. Little straight, straight four. four. Okay. Okay. The 770. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, something that we know about this vehicle... We know how it died. That's right. We know that the U.S. government killed the 770 um, with 1968 with some EPA and Department of Transportation laws, right? You can't. Hey, you, hey, you can't drive that car on the road. Yeah. It's a boat. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, government. Um, yeah, but apparently U.S. made up like 90% of, and this is a German car? It is, yeah. German okay, made. okay. Yeah. German made. The Germans know how to make a car. They sure do. But uh, but the U.S. made up like 90% of the Amphicar's uh, sales. Sales, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, so thanks a lot, government. Um, anything else you want to say about this vehicle? No. Solid choice. I like you went, you, you went unique right off the bat. It's awesome. Right. I snuck a boat into that list. Yeah, really. you, you did. You did. I did. And I feel a little betrayed, but we're going to keep moving forward. Okay. <laughs> One thing that we're going to do at this point, friends, before we move on to your number four, is we're going to give you better names for the Amphicar. All right. So um, let's get into that right now. Um, why don't you read off the list here? Of We, we came up with some, some better names. Um, Hudson, tell us, tell us the first better name than Amphicar for this vehicle. So I think... One good name would be the road boat. The road boat. Okay, that's pretty good. Like yeah. the rowboat, but instead the the road that's boat. Right. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with all aboard. <laughs> get it? It's like a Ford. All right. ab- all aboard. Or you're fording the river. Okay. Um, get give us this 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 one right here. So the yacht rod, I think is pretty catchy. The yacht rod. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I, I'm I'm gonna give give you one. Um, the the SS stuck in traffic. Yeah, that's, what do you think about that's that? a fact. Okay, you, that that's pretty happen. good. Give us, uh, give us another one here. Um, and then the SS Torktanic. So <laughs> the Torktanic. Yeah, Un- yeah. Unfortunately, these are prone to sink starring as well. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and finally, um, the Highway to Sail. Right? <laughs> yeah. So Q ACDC, the Amphicar. Okay, solid choice, solid pick. Number five. Um, let's go to number four. What's your What's your next? What's your next uh, pick there, Hudson? Okay, so number four is a 1963 Lincoln Continental Convertible uh, with the original 430 FE block engine. Okay. Um, in, Bermuda, in Bermuda Blue. Okay, the Bermuda Blue. That's right. Uh, what is what's Bermuda Blue? Is this like is this dark blue? Is this light blue? What? It is the it is the blue of the 
beautiful of king ocean. It is yes. the blue of king. Yes, really. <laughs> okay, it's I'm, a, I'm I'm struggling to find the word, but really, it's just gorgeous. When I think about um, a Mustang that would be uh, like a 64, 65 Mustang in blue, is it that blue? Is it the same blue? No. Uh, Bermuda blue is more so kind of a turquoise blue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not a seafoam green, but yeah, pretty. Tell us why um, why you'd go with this. It was speaking of boats, right? Why would you go yeah. with, with a 1963 Lincoln Continental? This, this is the original land yacht. Um, so I, I think these are beautiful cars. Um, something that's really cool about them is... They are the last uh, four-door convertible that okay. Ford made. Okay. And uh, the four doors are what they call suicide doors, meaning that the doors, both of them, front and back, open from the middle. Right so, on. Pretty okay. unique feature. It's very luxurious. And frankly, I'd love to add one of these to the Parkton Waco fleet. For sure. Yeah, this is a really cool-looking car. Absolutely right. Now, um... So the Continental was made for a lot of years, right? It was. Over, and there have been about 10 generations of this car mm-hmm. that have come out. Um, Continental was interesting in that in 1948, it was the last V12. And as you just mentioned, um, it was the last four-door convertible to be produced. Yep. So really, really interesting yeah. indeed. Okay, now listen. I, I thought that, that it was a 1963 Lincoln Continental that, that um, JFK was shot in. Not true, though. No. Do you know what year? 61. That's right. It yeah. was the 1961. Something else yeah. that I found out about that is it was actually kept in service um, after he was assassinated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting little tidbit. The same car? It. Same car, yeah. All right. Was it was anything like, was it painted or something? Or? No. Okay. No. It was just... Bizarre piece of history. That's really, yeah. that's really interesting, right? I yeah. mean... But, and as soon as I think about, well, that's odd to me, I think, well, what, what else would you do, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't maybe destroy the vehicle or maybe auction it off. I don't know. Yeah. Who, who am I to say? Well, that's really interesting, really interesting about it. In fact, that car is, is now at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah. Have you been there? I have not. I'm surprised. Uh, I, know. I would have bet money that you've been there. At, yeah. Okay. With all the, all the trips I've taken up there, I've never been. For sure. Solid choice. Cool car. I had a friend who's a mechanic. Just a side note here, and say that um, the 63 Lincoln convertible was the absolute hardest convertible top in terms of using its pumps and the hydraulic system that he's ever worked on. Yeah, so I believe it. So anyway. All right. Good choice. We're two in. This is going well. Um, Hudson, we need your third pick. All right. Number three is a 1957 Ford Thunderbird with the original 312 Y-Block and... Uh, McCulloch Supercharger. Whoa! In Colonial White. That's that's yeah. that's some business that's right bad. there, dude. That's some business. I know. I, the one, you know, the thing I know about superchargers. What's that? They're cool. They sure are. Uh, what? Are they, how do they work though? <laughs> what does it do? They force air into the intake of the engine. Okay. Um, which then creates more horsepower. Okay. Sum it up. Okay. Do they sound cool? Like something about a turbo, you can hear a turbo, they, right? Does the superchargers make noises or something? Um, I think they have. So I've I've never heard this specific supercharger mm-hmm. in person, but I believe they do have the same kind of whining noise. Okay. Just not as uh, high pitched as a turbocharger. Okay. Okay. So a '57 Thunderbird, man, that's that's pretty cool. Is this going to be? Is this another convertible for you, or is this? Yeah. So this would be a convertible. Okay. Um, is this is this a hardtop convertible though, or is it is it one that you just take off the the fiberglass roof? Yeah, it's it's the type where you take the fiberglass roof off. Okay, yep. I so. really like that. Yeah, um, me too. Something that I'll admit to you, I don't like I don't like the way really any convertibles look. Really? Yeah, I love Why is that? I, I, because I love roof lines. I love okay. 
That's fair. I love a '64 Impala um, that has a hard top or that has a convertible look. Right? Mm-hmm. They call that a hard, the hard top. Or and I love some sedans that have that missing the pillar that yeah. have that you know again the hard top look. But I just I just don't like convertible cars with with the, with the the roof up. So when yeah. I see a, a hard top car. Be it a Miata or a Thunderbird, I think that that's that's the way to go. Yeah, I like the hard top I, I convertibles. Can that too. Yeah, and what are the big the big like Sunliners that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. where the roof goes into the trunk. Actually, the Skyliner was the, the Skyliner. Retractable okay, hard top. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep, that is pretty cool. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit more about this this Thunderbird. Tell me why. Tell me again why why is that important to you? Yeah, so I. I really like the 55, 57 Thunderbirds, which were the first gen, uh, because they were a two-seater. Yeah. Um, and they just have that very simplistic, beautiful design. It is a really, in the really pretty car. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not too much flair, not, not too much craziness with fans yeah. going on. Um, but, yeah, just a really pretty car. What did you think about the, uh, was it was it like 2002 when the... Uh, when the when the big the the Thunderbird came out again, what Listen, did you think about that? I was such a big fan of it that as a 12, 13 year old, uh-huh. I went and picked up a 50th anniversary Thunderbird cap, which I'm wearing. He's right wearing now. it right now, you guys. Yeah. That's how excited he is about this think, car. I don't think this cap has graced my head in probably 10 to 12 years. Okay, okay, easily. But, and yet you decided to wear it. Tonight. And yet I wore it tonight. Right on, man. As a talking point. Yeah. How how special? I no, but like... I I was a huge fan. Uh, I remember going into a Ford dealership. When my parents were in the market for a new vehicle, yeah, and I went straight for the brochures of the Thunderbird mm-hmm. and the Mustang, yeah, and I would just sit in the car and just go through those page yeah. after page and just drool over the cars. Man, awesome! So yeah. awesome! All right, so this supercharger that you talk about looks like it's going to be it's going to be putting that three twelve at about three hundred horsepower mm-hmm. with a respectable six point two seconds zero to sixty. Absolutely, that's a pretty good performing car. Back then, that was huge because that was almost getting to the point of one horsepower per cubic inch. Yeah, yeah. Which, as they really say, hard the one to one ratio, right. as they say. Yeah, Koenigsegg stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, three hundred horsepower with a three hundred twelve cubic inch engine was a lot back then. Sweet. That is awesome. Okay, so a little pop culture reference for you guys. Um, maybe the most popular first-generation Ford Thunderbird on film would be American Graffiti, if you're familiar with that film. Suzanne Summers drove that car in colonial white mm-hmm. as well. And what's interesting that we know about this car is that it still exists in Petaluma, California, where the movie was filmed. Wow. Pretty cool, right? That is cool. Yeah. I um, okay, have you driven one of these? No, I haven't. Okay. I, uh, fun story, growing up, had a neighbor. Um, we lived at the end of a cul-de-sac, and so one of our neighbors in the cul-de-sac had a white uh, T-Bird. I think it was probably 56 or mm-hmm. 57. And every chance I got, I'd hop on my bike and ride by their house to see if I could peek in their garage to see it. Awesome. Um, but that's the closest I've that's ever gotten cool. to driving one. Well, let me tell you something, dude. I've driven one. Yeah. I drove one uh, 57 with the Continental package. Holy so we're talking God. like the rear wheel, you know, yeah. the, the spare on the bumper and all. Yep. Drove like a dog. Really? Okay, I'm sorry to say. And listen, it's, it, I'm, I know they don't, don't all drive that my way. Dreams. <laughs> but dude, this thing was, it was drifting all over the place. It was, it, it drove like a really larger car. 
but without that kind of dreamy suspension, you know? Interesting. So it's almost like it was kind of the worst of, of both <laughs> worlds. And it, but, it, but it looks... It looks so good, it really didn't matter. That's right. That's you know? all that matters is looks. Absolutely, absolutely. So again, this car was not made to perform. It was not built to perform. It was it was personal luxury, right? It was a personal car that would later help to define the personal luxury line. Yeah, definitely. Okay? So, by the way, the Buick Riviera. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're not. Anyway, no, let's not worry about not that. your list. <laughs> See, I want to go into it so bad. All right. Um, okay, Hudson, let's uh, keep it moving. Let's go to your... Um, Second choice, it's your fourth that you've shared, but it's your second most important choice, and what would that be? Yeah, so that would be a 1909 Ford Model T with the original four-banger um, in the Ford Black, the only color you could get. Dude, the Model T, the Tim Lizzie, the, right. the Leapin' Lena, the Fliver. Okay, why why do you want this, um, this flubber car? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Uh, man, I, I love the history behind this car. Mm-hmm. Um, it is objectively probably the most important car um, in the past century. That's right. It's actually won recognition as the most influential car of the 20th century, beating the Volkswagen Beetle. Really? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so I, I love the history behind it, mm-hmm. the fact that um, Henry Ford really put the world on wheels with this yeah, car. Yeah, for sure. Um I've I've been to one of the assembly plants where it was made, the Highland Park Assembly. Oh wow! Um, in suburban Detroit, and so uh, just getting to see that in person was really really cool. To I see bet. where the assembly line was implemented and where they cranked these out. That's cool. Uh, give us an indication of how many of these cars were made. Do you have any idea? About sixteen, a little over sixteen million. That is crazy. Yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah, I believe it's still the top produced car, if not in. The top few. Okay. Again, in the world. that is really crazy to think yeah. about how many more people we have driving cars now, mm-hmm. and yet that it would be one of the most uh, highly made vehicles even to this time. Okay, so what I, what I do know about this, I don't know much about the Model T because I always wonder, like, why was it called the Model T? But apparently there was a Model A through all the way, like 20 models through the Model T, and not, not everyone was produced, mm. but, but we had different, he, so he just made that many different cars? Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. So why don't you want a Model A instead of... Why would you want a Model T instead of a Model A? Yeah, I I love history, and I really think it's just the nostalgia of having that significant of a car. The T. They're the most impractical car. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they have a, th- a throttle on the steering wheel. Uh-huh. They have three pedals, so they have a clutch pedal um, for the forward gears. Uh-huh. They have a separate pedal for the reverse gear. Okay. And then they have a uh, driveline brake or drivetrain brake. They actually don't have brakes on the wheels. They wow. just have a brake on the actual uh, drivetrain. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, Are you, like, cranking this thing to start it? Do oh, you, yeah. Does it seriously have a hand crank on the front? Yep, that's the only way to start it. They, okay. they put in electric starters, I believe, in the, pa- in the last few years of production, but the majority of these were made with hand cranks. Okay. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, good way to break your arm. Would you, uh, I mean, would you seriously drive this thing if you had one? Uh, Like a weekend driver, like just for fun, but no way am I going to be driving in busy traffic with this. But how cool. I mean, they have that kind of a, it's really just like a museum piece, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So cool. So cool. Okay. Um, Yeah, the 177 cubic inch inline four, 20 horsepower. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it could run on three different fuels. Okay, what would that be? Kerosene, ethanol, 
in gasoline. Kerosene. Yeah. That's crazy. Listen, this was like the EcoBoost before there was an EcoBoost. For sure. Or any other ethanol oh, or alternative man. fuel vehicle. Man. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Okay. Good choice. Historical choice. So you're not putting Kregers on it is what you're saying? Uh, hard pass. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So... Hudson High, your final but most important choice for your five-car garage, what's it going to be? It's got to be a 1951 Hudson Hornet Coupe. Of with, course. Yeah, with uh, twin H power, which was the 308 cubic inch engine okay. with uh, dual single carburetors. Nice. Uh, color would be Naples green. Naples green. Okay, what, what kind of green is that? It's it is green. the most beautiful dark green I've okay. ever seen. Okay, so it's a beautiful dark green. Yeah, actually. Okay, the Hudson Hornet's super cool. Split windshield, um, step down design. Yeah. So what that? Why don't you explain what that means? Why? What's a step down design of this car? Great question. So <clears throat> typically, the floor pans of a car were installed on top of the frame rails. Um, what was unique about this design is that the floor pans were uh, essentially below mm-hmm. the frame rails, about midway down or below the frame rails. And so when you got into the car, you literally stepped down into it. Okay. Okay. Um, and so that was a luxurious, luxur- I can't talk, luxurious <laughs> point, uh-huh. uh, you know, for customers. But then also, uh, it really proved to be effective on the racetrack. Uh, because it oh, better provided handling. a much lower center of gravity. Yeah, yep. yeah, I could see that. Yep. Okay, that's cool. And it just had an overall sleeker, really sleek look to it, didn't it? Yep, that's really right. cool. It reminds me of almost what some hot riders do now, or car builders, um, in terms of like putting it so low that like the drivetrain, right, like the body <laughs> almost hugs the drivetrain. Yeah, like a for a rat rod or something. So, Definitely. such a cool looking car. So really iconic as well, right? You mentioned the, uh, what was it, the twin H motor? Yeah. So this is an inline six, mm-hmm. which already was supposed to be like the, like the what, the biggest inline six you could get? That's right. And then from what I understand, what you could do is you could get like a, for the first year anyway, it was like a factory uh, or a dealer modification, mm-hmm. this, uh, this two carburetor setup? That's right. Okay. Yeah, the story behind it is um, a guy named Marshall Teague. Uh, who's mm-hmm. a famous NASCAR driver, actually collaborated with the Hudson Motor Company and tuned their engine, which then became this option for customers. It, it was basically the most powerful tuned engine for stock back in 51. Okay, so NASCAR so, in, that, in that case was influencing the general car market. That's right. Man, yeah. how this, cool. Yeah. Yep. So no wonder this car is kind of a favorite among, right? It's kind of er, such early generation mod a mod car and a high performance vehicle. Yeah, definitely. That's super cool. Definitely. Okay, but from what I understand, this unibody thing wasn't it, it, it kind of made it expensive like to update this car as well, right? Yeah, so definitely did. Because you think about, well, man, why didn't Hudson just stay a really vibrant car maker? Yeah. That's and yeah. That was an issue. Yeah, that's I think what contributed to their downfall. Oh man. Made changeovers a lot harder. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of the other automakers had totally different designs. If you look at the mid-50s, they came out with a totally new design every year. Right. And, yeah, having this unibody uh, structure was a lot harder to change over. So interesting. Yeah, such a cool car. Um, I'm thinking that a, that a Hudson Hornet would not be uh, – I probably couldn't pick one up for a couple of grand on eBay. Yeah, they're not right. cheap. Okay, not cheap. okay. Um, very cool. Uh, now, a lot of people are going to be familiar with the Hudson – 
because they would have maybe played Forza Horizon 4. Okay, shout out to Levi Bernard, because he definitely has that car on that game. But also, most people will know of the Hudson Hornet, the fabulous Hudson Hornet from the movie, the, the series movies of, of Cars, which, by the way, Hudson, hi, here is your next connection to Paul Newman, because right. guess who, who was the voice of Doc Hudson on the Cars movie? The one and only. Paul Newman. So there you go. Hudson High, Paul Newman, Paul Newman, Hudson High. I was wondering where that second connection right. come from. That's right. Mind blown. Mind blown. Well, hey, man, Hudson, you're awesome. Thanks for being a good buddy. Thanks for having Thanks me. for being a, a rad car guy. I appreciate your, your um, five-car garage, and um, thanks for sharing with us. You got it. All right. Well, again, um, check out at Parked in Waco. Thanks for listening. And remember, drive it like you... Uh, least it and that you know you got to watch those miles okay you guys <laughs>